all the good stuff, Lord. We, we thank you for that. So, Lord, I lift up to you, Travis, this morning. I thank you so much that he was here and uh, sh- preparing to share with us. We pray that it would be your words that would just fill him and spill over onto us. pray that he would be blessed by his time with us this morning and that we would mutually grow uh, together into more of the people you want us to be as we look and see what you have done uh, as recorded in the Gospels. So we thank you again for this opportunity for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, good morning, everybody. Good to see you all. Happy Tuesday. It's Tuesday, all day today. And, man, it is great that we get to spend our Tuesday morning, 9 a.m. And y'all are here. You're not here because you have to be. You, you're here because you get to be. You're not here because you were forced to be. Maybe maybe a couple of us maybe, right? I don't know. But you are he- you're here this morning because you want, you want to be in God's Word. And so my hope for today is that we're going to open up God's Word together. We're going to study it. And uh, hopefully we can pull some principles, some applications, and apply them to our lives. And so by show of hands, how many of y'all were here yesterday? Show of here yesterday. Awesome. Cool. So there's just a couple new people here. Welcome. So glad that, that you made the decision again to be here at 9 o'clock. Just a quick refresher. Yesterday we talked about on repeat. Today we're going to be talking about on repeat. If you're new and you say, what does that mean? What we're looking at are the places, the things, the motions that Jesus did repeatedly throughout the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so we're looking at the things that Jesus said, things that Jesus did, where he went on repeat. Why? Why is that important? Because as believers, as Christ followers, our desire is to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, to, to replicate a lot of the things that Jesus said and did. He is a great, 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 great example for us, right? Great example for us. And so for us today, we want to be able to lean into that. So, show of hands, how many of y'all had a good week, a good day yesterday? Good day yesterday? Awesome. Show of hands, this is like participation, this is great. Show of hands, how many of y'all had a great night's sleep? Don't lie, don't lie, don't lie, okay? How many of y'all had an average night's sleep? Average night's sleep, okay? That's good, that's good. Um, well, we're, we're here at camp, right? How many of y'all didn't sleep? Now, don't raise your hand. We'll pray for you afterwards. Come see me, we'll pray. How many of y'all didn't sleep at all? I was up early this morning, and... Uh, and I, I just to pray and, and spend time in God's word. And I was trying to sneak out really quietly. And my son just stood up in his, in his, in his like, yeah, uh-huh. He's like, dada. I'm like, ah, oh, go back to sleep. Nope. And then he started yelling louder and louder. So we, we've been up for a minute. But I'm grateful. How many of y'all have your Bibles this morning? Bibles, whether it's a physical Bible or a glowing Bible, you have your Bibles. That's good. That's excellent. Um, how many of y'all have something to take notes with this morning? Take notes with this morning. Great. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Um, I just want to just take a moment, even before we, before we get in. Yesterday was more of like a tee up for us. Any golfers in the room, right? It's a it's a spot where we're just kind of teeing up, and and I did a lot of speaking yesterday. Tomorrow is going to be uh, today is going to be a little bit of speaking plus some questions. That we're going to be able to dialogue together. I'm not going to put any of you all on the spot. I'm not going to ask you, hey, stand up and share what you think. It's not going to be that way. But if you do feel led to to speak into some of the content, and that's just how the rest of the week is going to go. I believe some of the greatest Bible studies of this size are not just straight monologue where I'm just speaking and teaching because there's so many of you in this room that have been Christians longer than I've been than I've been a Christian and so many of you in the room have probably read your Bible from front to back many more times than I have because of the years that you've been alive and so I I want to honor that and respect that because you have something to bring to the table today, tomorrow and for the rest of our time. And so 
there will be a little of that in between where I'll be speaking, and then there'll be opportunities for you to speak back or speak into things. Um, I loved it yesterday. Someone raised their hand and said, hey, I got a question about this. Can you help me understand this? And so uh, that's where we kind of want to go for today. So just by just a, a, a first open question, yesterday we talked about truly, trulys, right? The, the, the trulys in the Bible that Jesus said, truly, truly. If you break that word down, it means amen and amen. It means this is a fact. You take it to the bank. This is guaranteed truth is what Jesus says when he says truly, truly. How many of y'all had some truths that you just were kind of like holding on to? We kind of finished up our, our time together and we said, hey, what is like one truth you need to hold on to for today? What's one truth you want to just hold on to for this week? So that's the first question that I would just ask for you to kind of think about for a moment. And then yesterday, we covered a good amount of scripture. Any other thoughts that kind of came up from that scripture? Because I don't know about you, but sometimes for me, when I, when I unpack scripture, there's some more things that kind of bubble up or more things that kind of come to my mind. Does anybody here just want to maybe share about a truth that maybe they're holding on to? And, and the reason I ask that is just because maybe your truth is something that needs to be a truth for someone else on the other side of the room. So anybody who just wanted to share this morning about a truth that, that they're holding on to based on yesterday? Yeah, and I'm going to grab this microphone so that we can – no, 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 it's okay, it's okay. So that we can uh, be able to – we know you can project, but I'm just going to say this is, this is it right here. You can have this, yeah. Well, I'm not going to stand up. I, this is more to your second question, and I'm sorry, yes. but – Mercy. Yes. I, I'm learning so much here, but to, to, ask, to ask God for mercy, to ask Christ for mercy. Um, oh, okay. Mercy is what I'm talking about. I just think that there's some real value to that. It's, it's more, more value to asking God for mercy than just when you're, you're, you know, trying to deal with Republicans and Democrats and, you know, what they're trying to say this week, you know. Um, God's in charge of it all. But, but I think for me, the word mercy really struck home. And then I, we left here and went to the next Bible study, and then we're talking about prayer. And, you know, it's, I'm going to ask for mercy more often. Because that is a total. Then I'm then I'm then I'm seeking God and not me. I'm a guy. I like to fix things. I usually figure I can do it myself, you know. And I, I'm just gonna ask for mercy more. Yeah, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. Anybody else want to just share? Maybe one or two more of you. What you kind of on ongoing thought or just a. Uh, Maybe a truth that you're that you're holding on to today. Adding to what Brian said, obtaining more mercy when you realize how great a gift that is when we don't deserve it, we are much more likely to become merciful because the Beatitudes say that blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. And it's easier to give it when you know how much you've gotten. I wasn't here yesterday, but I am going through a trial right now, and I'm clinging to I am a child of God, and I will trust in the Lord with all of my heart, and he will get me through this. Uh, I appreciated you giving the Greek definition of uh, 
uh, what was it? Oh, faith. And uh, mentioned, uh, first of all, trust, then belief. And I think we get so tangled with belief, we forget the trust part. Surrender is the only way to victory. Actually, there's a couple more. Yeah. So great. Loved it. It was helpful. I was just kind of blown away by the fact that truly and amen are the same word. And Jesus started what he was saying. That's what I've been thinking. Jesus started what he was saying with truly, amen. And then we end what we're saying with amen. Because we start and end with amen. And I um, appreciated this thought and dwelled on it yesterday. Don't go through the process without tapping into the power of Jesus. And, you know, we are um, so process-oriented. We have to get this done and this done and this done. No, don't do it without tapping into the power of Jesus. You mentioned the word truth. The Bible says the truth will make us free. And why aren't people being set free? Because the truth hasn't become reality. So it's the reality of the truth that sets us free. So God's word has to become reality. So great. So good. So yeah, just by show of hands, how many did that encourage? Did that encourage you guys just to hear some friends in the room that just shared, hey, these are some truths I'm holding on to. Here are some things that I'm, that I'm processing through. I love what you said about the truth will set you free. We, we recently did a survey in our, in our church and surveyed over 3,000 people. And the question, um, some of the questions we asked was, number one, um, how, how, uh, how often do you attend church? And so it was amazing. We were, we were astonished that 70% of the people who took the survey attend church. We asked the question, how many of you pray? This is going to go into what you said, sir. What's your, what's your name again? Bill. Okay. Thank you, Bill. Um, how many of you pray? And there's like, you know, they pray every day, all seven days. How many times do you read your Bible? And it was, it was heartbreaking. It was heart, it's heartbreaking. I mean, it, it, that's the reality for most of us. But I did a survey and said, how many do you guys read your Bible every day? We just, we just don't. Why? Because I think we're process-oriented. We, we can figure it out ourselves. It's kind of like, eh, it's like an older thing. Or, you know, we open up on Sundays. And so the reality is this, that that's why I love that we do Bible studies at 9 a.m. It kind of like sets the track for us. It helps us, right? It's like, okay, we're in the Bible together, and we're trying to create a rhythm of reading God's Word. And so if you're here this morning, and maybe that's you, right, that you're like, man, I only read the Bible maybe once or twice a week. Man, maybe this is the week that you can just intentionally spend a little extra time or take a few extra moments to be able to to put God's word in your in your life. I have a coach in my life. I think we all need a, a person that's a leader, like someone that like leads us. Maybe it's in a, in a season ahead or someone that's in our season that can lead us. We also need a coach, someone that can kind of like speak things into our lives. A coach can be a coach, can be a counselor, but someone that can speak into your life. And one of the things that he's been coaching me on is that, Travis, our brains aren't meant in the mornings to like wake up and go straight to scrolling. Like it's just not good. It goes from like zero gear to like 50. Like that's just not good. Like our cognitive development process isn't good. 
our minds are geared up to just start the, the morning off with like thankfulness, gratitude. He's like, this is stuff that I'm making up. This is just fact. Like our minds aren't supposed to go from zero to 100 right when we wake up because that stresses us out. And so one of the things that I'm working on with my coach is actually spending time in God's word, just even a couple verses. One of the things that I have on my phone is the Bible app. How many of y'all have the Bible app on your phones? You guys have a, a smartphone. And I didn't know this, but my coach told me you can actually download the Bible app and have on the front a widget. Why is it called a widget? I have no idea. But it's a widget, and it actually has a verse. So when I open my phone, when I'm, when I'm pressed to look at, at Instagram or Facebook, a verse comes up. The verse for today is this, Psalm 119, verse 114. It says this, you are my refuge and my shield. Your word is my source of hope. And so we're doing Bible study this morning. If y'all are with me, say, uh-huh. Awesome. Okay, I'm glad. Y'all have enough coffee in you. You guys good this morning? Okay, good. You guys have your Bibles? I already asked you that. I love it. I'm going to do just one more, one more quick thing. I've, I've had a couple conversations with a few of you, and you've been asking, um, hey, Travis, what is something that you're reading right now that's been helpful for you besides spending time in God's Word? So if you're a parent in the room and you have, a you have children that are under the age of 12, I just want to encourage you all to check out this book. It's called Habits of a Household. Um, I don't know who this person is, but it's a new book that I'm reading right now, and it creates um, rhythms, how as parents we can create rhythms. So Habits of the Household, um, Practicing the Story of God in Everyday Family Rhythms. So finding meaning in the daily chaos of raising young kids. And so if you're here and you're a parent like me that has littles and it's, it's a thing, it is a great book. This is not a book that you just like pick up and you just kind of read through. It's more of like a, uh, a book that you process through and you, you don't look at completing the book. You look at more of just like, hey, this is a practical application. And so great, great aspects. That's one thing I just want to share with y'all. Okay, let's get into some scripture this morning. But before that, I want to pray. I want to pray for us. And then we're going to dive into scripture this morning. Jesus, we thank you for being truth for sharing truth, for helping us walk in truth, for us to see by what you say, what you did, how you responded, how you lived a 24-hour day like we do, so that we can replicate that, so we can put that on repeat in our lives. God, we know the things that get repeated turn into a rhythm. And so, God, we know there's things in our lives because we are sinful people that we have put on repeat that probably don't deserve a place in our lives. So, God, we just want to pray against those things today, God. Help us to focus in today, God. Help us to see some new truths today, God. Help us to rest in that this morning. Thank you, God, for every person that's here, knowing, Lord, that they don't have to be here, Lord, but they get to be here. They're here this morning because they want something new, something fresh from you. And so, God, I pray that you will just speak something fresh into their lives through the Holy Spirit. We love you. We trust you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So, hey, if you guys have Bibles, let's open up the Bible this morning to Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 13. 9 through 13. We're, we're going to spend a majority of our time here just because I have seven pages of notes just on this passage. And so, in my mind, I'm like, let's go through a bunch of other places where Jesus entered into someone's home, because that's something we see that he did on repeat, but we don't have time for the 50 places. We just have time this morning for one. Yes, ma'am. Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. 
Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 9. What I would like to do is be able to read it through one time. But before that, I would like for you to read it through one time. So just take a moment and read Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 13. This is a familiar passage, biblical account, that you will say, I've heard this, I've read it. But just read it through one more time. Just read it through one more time. And when you're finished reading, just look up at me, and I'm going to read it to us. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. Verse 10 says this, when Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with the tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go on and learn from what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. You know, it's fascinating in this, in, this, in this passage, Luke also has an account of this. Let me just read that. While you guys stay in Matthew 9, I just want to read this. This is what it says in, Matthew, in, in Luke chapter 5, verse 27. It says this, after this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up and left everything to follow him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus. Very interesting. At his house. And a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Look at verse chapter, uh, Matthew chapter 9, verse 9 through 13, one more time. We're going to read it through. You're probably wondering, why are we reading this so many times? I just believe God's word, when we read it through a couple times, it can, we can have it marinate on our hearts a little bit. And so we're letting this word of God just kind of marinate with us and in us. This is what it says in Matthew chapter 9, verse 9 through 13. 
Some of my ADD is going to come out on this one. I'm going to speak in a few things. As Jesus went out from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting in the tax collector's booth. Follow me. Pause for a moment. This is a whole other story, but I encourage you to underline this and star this. Jesus said, follow me more than 13 times. More than 13 times. He said that on repeat. This could be a whole other Bible study in itself of the places and times that Jesus said, follow me. So if you're looking for extra things to look into over this next year of how Jesus did and what he said on repeat, just maybe even Google, where did Jesus say, follow me in the Bible? And it will give you places. Or you can talk to some of your friends that might even know each account of when Jesus called specific people to follow him. Follow, follow me, he said to him. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Do we know where, G where, where Matthew's speaking into this? From Hosea chapter 6, verse 6. If you're trying to figure out, what is he saying here? I desire mercy, not sacrifice. That sounds like I've read it before. It's actually from the book of Hosea. Hosea is the Old Testament. It's an Old Testament prophet. And so he is repeating a very powerful statement in Hosea chapter 6, verse 6. He's saying, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, the acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. So he's repeating something that's already been written because the Pharisees have that memorized and know. And so he see, we see, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. If you're taking uh, notes this morning, write down Romans chapter 5, verse 8. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. For God demonstrates his own love towards us. In that while we are still sinners, Christ died for, for us. This morning, I want to take this passage in Scripture and just share with you five principles that I think are really helpful for us. Just like yesterday, these are not going to be very deep principles, but very clear and purposeful principles that we can hold on to for us and for our families. So I'm going to share five principles that I think are really powerful from what Jesus did and what he said on repeat from the book of Matthew chapter 9. Yesterday we looked at truly, truly on repeat. Today we're going to look at what Jesus does repeatedly, an action that characterizes him. Jesus repeatedly enters into the lives of others, specifically and especially into people's homes. I've got a question for you all in just a minute. There are more than, here's extra, if you want to be like, I want to know more. There are more than 50 places in the Gospels where Jesus enters in. 50. That's what I'm saying. we got time for one today. But Jesus entered in the home 50 times in, the, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. My, my thoughts on this is why. What, why? Why is it so important that Jesus entered into the home? Why? And so I want to just open it up this morning for you. Why is it so important 
And what is so important about the home? Why is that? What do you guys think? I got the microphone. I would love to just, anybody want to speak into that? Why would, why do you think Jesus would, would go into people's homes? Why is the home a value for Jesus? What do you all think? Yes, ma'am. Hey, I can, I can do that. I can do this. I need my steps today. I need some steps in. Why did Jesus enter the home? I think the home is the reflection of your life. You know, we can go out and put on a smile someplace or pretend, but your home is where you are real. Man, I love that so much. Any other thoughts? Yeah, pass it down. Home is where the heart is. There you go. I've, I've seen that somewhere on a bumper sticker, in a home. I've seen that. Home is where the heart is. That's great. Any other thoughts? Yes, ma'am. Again, I believe Bible studies are best when it is a dialogue, not just a monologue. So, yeah, this is great. He comes to them in their home. They didn't have to reach some standard before he came. They've got it. That's so good. So good. Why is the home important? Why is the home important? Yes, ma'am, I'm coming. I'm coming. All of what you're sharing is so is so critical in in the pathway of Jesus' plan. Home is the whole family. It's everyone is there. When they would come to Jesus, they would come as individuals. When he went into the home, he spoke to everyone who was there. Yeah, so good. So, so good. Yeah, let's speak over here. Let's, can I skip someone over here? Oh, yes, sir. I'm coming. Less steps. I like that. This is good. And then I'll sneak over this way. I think home, oh, too yes. is, home is a community, like she said. Also, you build relationships. It's all about relationships. That's, that's, that is a, an aspect on repeat as well, that Jesus demonstrated the importance of relationships. Amen. Uh, home is where you spend most of your time. It's where you're most comfortable. And I see the parallel to when Jesus was present in the flesh, he visited homes. When he went to heaven, he made you your house. He made you his house, your body. Do you want to do the rest of the Bible study for me? You totally can. Come on. You're signed up. Sign her up next next year. That's powerful. That's so good. That's a fact. That's a fact. You can hold on to that truth. I think when people take the time to come to your home, it shows that you matter to them. Yes. Say that one more time. That's, that's uh, good. When people come to your home to visit, it shows that you matter to them. So good. Yeah, so good. Yeah, amen. Man, this is great, guys. We're getting things moving here. We're talking about great aspects. Yes, ma'am. He was taking the, making, taking the effort. You didn't have to. So he was coming to you. And I know when I pray for my older son, I pray that God will meet him right where he is. In case he doesn't make the effort, you know, God is making the effort to come to you. That's a fact. And, and, and why is that? Because he loves us. It's because we're his children. There's no, there's no senior adults in the kingdom of heaven. We're all his children. I, I believe that, that we all are seen by God as his, as his little children. It's powerful. He loves us. This is really continuing at least three things. One was right behind me here. <laughs> uh, when you go into the home, you go, the owner is in charge. And Jesus is entering in a relationship with someone not as the boss, not as the one with the answer, but the one who has come to receive the hospitality of the owner. Yes. That's, that's mercy. That's, that is mercy, and that's a, a unique posture, isn't it? 
When you're going to someone else's house, you're, you're showing that kindness. I, I repeat, um, he's meeting you where you are, in your home, where you're comfortable, and but he's still different today. He meets us where we are. That's right. Aren't you grateful for that this morning? He meets us where we are. Okay, just a couple more, because I've got a lot more questions, y'all. We might be here too long. We'll have to tell the other speakers, hey, come back. Come back later, right? I think it gives the, um, the, the, uh, the family a more personal one-on-one -on -one level with him. Uh, not so much in a group setting, but more personal. Yeah, I love that. Brett, yes. One more, and then don't worry, I got more questions, y'all. I got some good questions. Um, I think it's a way that he showed the importance of developing intimate relationships with him and to gain trust. Yes, intimacy and trust. I absolutely love that. You know, I think about Jesus entering the home of a, of a tax collector, someone that that the Jewish people were like, ah, I don't know about this. You can go to other people's homes, Jesus, but you went to someone that's kind of sketchy, right? Kind of sus, as some of our, our students would say. But he says, I don't know. I don't know about this. You know, we see that, that Jesus, just, just some, some examples of, of entering into homes, going from the synagogue to the home of Simon and Andrew, having dinner with the Pharisees, entering a home of a dead girl whom he then restores to life, Entering the home of Peter's mother-in-law. You know, there's, there's so many places that Jesus enters in. What are the applications we can take away? I wanted to share, share a few with us zeroing in and kind of highlighting the passage that we just read in Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 13, which we just read. This is the first principle that I want to share with you today. So again, if you're taking notes, I encourage you to write this down. This is not going to be something you're like, wow, I, I've never seen this. It's just a, a true fact from God's character and his love. This is what it says. Principle one for us. Jesus was intentionally open to relationships with others. Jesus was and is intentionally open to relationships with others. The question I wrote down for myself is this. Am I open to be on the lookout for tax collectors in my life? You know, it's interesting. My, uh, my first year of marriage with, to Jess, um, we had this very unique situation that took place a few times. And I didn't ever talk about it until it like, became like a thing. We would be shopping at Walmart or Aldi. And on the way in or on the way out, there would always be like loose change on, on the ground. Like there would be a penny. And my wife without even thinking, would just scoop it up and pick it up and stick it in her pocket. And I would look at her and be like, it's not a matter of it's not ours. It's a matter of kind of dirty. Like, I don't know. Should you be touching? I don't know. You know? And so she did that. How many of y'all would pick a penny up if you saw it, okay? Y'all are next level, okay? So for me, for me, I'm a little bit like I'm a germaphobe, right? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if it's worth it. I don't know. My wife, my wife would pick up pennies and, and dimes, and she'd, she'd find them in parking lots. And I remember stopping her. This is, again, before kids, first year of marriage, we're learning each other. Think back of your first year of marriage for all you married people in the room. I was like, I just got to stop. I, I, she was like mid-pickup. Like, I'm like, Jess, just stop. And she says, what? Am I doing something that bothers you? I'm like, Jess, it's a penny. It's dirty. I don't know. Like, I don't know. And so she holds it in her hand. 
And this is like one of the most convicting things in year one of marriage for me. She told me, she goes, Travis, it's still a penny. It has value, has value. And I, and I, I, I looked at her, I'm like, okay, hold on. I, I've got to just take that in for a second. She's like, you have, you have, why are there tears in your eyes? I'm like, because I think that the Lord's just speaking you, speaking through you at 11 o'clock at night in, in a Walmart parking lot. Like, I'm just going to take a moment. She goes, what do you mean? She, I said, Jess, man, I, I think that's how I treat people sometimes. I walk over them. I step around them because it's like, eh, they're kind of dirty. I don't know. I don't know. It's a penny. I would much rather invest in the influencer. I'd much rather take time for the family that's established. I'd much rather take time for the person who's ready to repent and find mercy. I don't know about the penny. And I believe that moment, a long time ago, is still holding true to me. I don't see pennies different. in the par- I don't see pennies the same way as I used to in the parking lot anymore. It's a reminder for me to say, you know what? People cannot be obstacles to step over or step around. They have to be opportunities to minister. I believe Jesus in this passage is saying, listen, like y'all time out. You Pharisees, you think you guys have it all together. Like, and you do, you're really smart. But man, you walk around people every day because you don't see them as of value. I say like, maybe that's a principle for you today. Maybe you're not going to see pennies the same anymore. You're like, that's a penny. I pick that up, stick it in a pocket, pray for a lost person, right? And so I'm just saying, as, 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 as church people, as believers in the room this morning, Man, it's so important for us to just hold on to that, that principle that Jesus demonstrates for us, that he was intentionally open to relationships with others. He was intentionally open for relationships with others. How did the tax collector respond? How do you respond? You can just say it out loud. How do you respond? Yes, he had a party. Did he respond late? Did he respond right away? How did he respond? Do you think it had to do something with Jesus' intentionality? Do you think it had to do with something that Jesus said what he meant and meant what he said and did what he said he was going to do and showed mercy and kindness to those he said he was going to show kindness and mercy to? I think so. Quick response. I'm throwing a party. Question. Why were tax collectors sketchy or sus in the Bible? Why is that? Can you, some of you tell me wh- why is that? Who? Come on, say it. They were cheaters. They were, they che- were cheated they, people. Who were they working for? Who were they working for? The government. Yeah. The government. Not just any government, but with the Jewish government. Who? The Rome. The Roman government. These people were sus. They were sketch. They were people that most of the Jewish people were like, I don't want to visit that man at the booth. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Why do you think Jesus targeted that guy, We're, I'm going to ask you this question later, but I want to ponder it for a moment. Why did Jesus ask that guy? Why did he ask that guy? Yes, because of who they were. I think Jesus is trying to make a clear point that he wants people that are going to be followers, that they are going to be willing to leave the things that they are doing so that they can follow a better kingdom way. I think he was trying to put a principle out to the people that were around him of saying, listen, the tax collector needs Jesus, needs me, needs the kingdom of God, needs hope, needs life. The sinners do too. That's why I've come here. 
I didn't come here to sit in a palace. I didn't come here as a famous person. Even though I've collected some celebrity status, because I've been healing and fixing and sorting things out and calling really weird people already to be my disciples. But I've come here for who? The sick. Those who see they need. And there's an opportunity that Jesus stepped into, not around. We are to engage. Y'all also with me? Say, uh huh. All right, man, we're together still. Verse 10, verse 10, and when we see this in Matthew chapter 9, we see verse 10 when Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house. So it went straight from like, hello, I'm in, I'm all in, immediately followed to the next verse, chapter 9, verse 10, where they're having a party. Paul says what? Uh, not Paul. Uh, Luke says what? Luke says it's a banquet, which means like this Matthew guy is inviting a bunch of people to this special party that he's prepared. Pardon? Entree after entree. I'm signed up to go to, to Matthew's party after. Like, that sounds great. You know, I, I think about this, that how was being in someone else's home or having them in yours alter your relationship with that person? So you think, practically speaking, when we throw a party and we invite people over, people that maybe we know just from meeting them a couple times at church or people that we've known for a while, how does that alter your relationship with them? It deepens it, correct? Deepens it? It's one of the things that we say at our church that we try to not use the word visitor. We try to use the word guest at our church. Here's the reason. Not that either one is bad, but a visitor is someone who just comes off and drops an Amazon package at my house. He visits or she visits. She doesn't stay. He doesn't stay. Visitors swing by and give me a pamphlet of who I should vote for. Visitors come by. Visitors come by and they just say hi. They're like, they kind of wave. Like some of my friends will just kind of come for a quick visit. They drive by. The right kind of drive by, right? They drive by and they're like, hey, how's it going? But guests, guests enter in. Guests enter into our homes. So for some of us here, we've had guests over probably even the past 24 hours to where you're staying, right? We, when we bring people close, it develops a new type of relationship. Develops a new type of relationship. And so when I see this, I think about another principle. Check this out. Principle, write this down. When Jesus enters into a life, others are intrigued. Why is that? Third principle I want to share. Third principle. We're taking notes today. Third principle today is this. To enter in to another's home is to know them more personally. What do you think Jesus gained socially from the dinner at Matthew's house? Do you think he gained anything socially? Uh-uh. Do you think? No, he didn't. Jesus gained nothing socially entering into the tax collector's home. He only gained some scrutiny. But what was the principle he was trying to say? Hey, when I enter in to people's homes, people see. People see and people wonder. People see and people wonder. Look at verse 10 again. When Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. His, his disciples were there as well. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked him and the disciples, 
why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Right? It's the principle. When Jesus enters into a life, others are intrigued. They're intrigued. I wrote this down in my notes in my Bible. How intrigued are others by my life? How intrigued are others about my life? Are people intrigued? Wow, it's different. We talked about this yesterday. It is a funny joke. I'm going to play on it more. You're going to a family camp. You could easily go down to the Keys. You could easily go, you know, and spend time somewhere else. Intriguing. You're here. Right? People wonder. People wonder. It's an opportunity. It's not an obstacle. It's not them trying to question of like, why are you, know, why are you doing this? No, people are intrigued. Are people intrigued by the way that you live, by what you say, how you raise your family? When Jesus enters into a life, others are intrigued. Others are intrigued. Hey, look at verse, verse 11. It's where it starts getting a little bit interesting. I want to read again. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Why do they clump them together? Tax collectors and sinners. Could you imagine if that was the play, if someone said that to you? It's like, hey, listen, I see you have a lot of people over your house. Why are they all fill in the blank? What would be like a really like not great person to invite to your house and then just stack it, right? It's like, why is this person <coughs> and sinners? Why are they at your house? Why, why, did Jesus, why, why did the Pharisees do that? Why did they clump the two together? Why did they clump the two together? To quote a recent phrase, they were deplorables. Okay, that's, that's, okay. And so how about, what else? Why did Jesus clump those two people together? Or why did, why did the Pharisees clump those two people together? Okay, say that one more time. Okay, so the tax collectors were Jewish people, and that was a sin to defraud your brother, your Jewish brother. So they were backsliders. <laughs> they were backsliders. You know any backsliders? You have friends that are back? Yeah. You're inviting all your backsliding friends over to your home, and that will get that will get noticed. I think about the gentleman I told you about yesterday, Anthony, right? Been in prison for 15 years. That would be an eye-open experience. I was thinking about this last night. That'd be an eye-open experience if he showed up to dinner at my house. I'd be like, I don't know if this is I don't know if this is safe. I don't know if this is wise. Maybe we'll show up somewhere else. But in my mind, I'm like, you know what? Who are the people on the fringes that we need to show kindness and love to? We need to open our home. Maybe not our physical home, because that could be kind of dangerous. But how about just like our home saying, we want to open this up. We want to show you a better way, a kingdom way, a way of kindness, a way of hope, a way of life. So I see this in this passage. And so here's a principle. Write this down. Principle. There's only a couple principles left. We're almost there. Principle or point, whatever you want to say. Aha moment. To be Christ-like is to enter in. Repeatedly. That's one that I think I got called out the most on. To be Christ-like is to enter in one time. No. That's why I said Jesus said it, showed us over 50 times. Jesus entered into people's lives, entered into people's homes, entered in. It's not something we do once, but it's something we do on repeat. Why? Because it establishes a rhythm that we care for people. We care for people. That might not look like us, talk like us, think like us, vote like us, pray like us, go to the church we go to. The people in our lives that are just not us, 
Jesus died for them, and we must show hospitality and kindness and care to them. Not just so we can have a good Instagram post. And I was called out. <laughs> I was just going to share this. I was called out by our global missions guy. He actually, I, I shared with him that, that we're praying for, for Pastor Sandy. He's there right now in Indonesia, in Bogor, Indonesia. And he called me out like a year ago. We were on a, on a, on a missions trip. And I took a, I took a picture of a, of a kid. And uh, we, went into, we went into a family's home. We built a home. They were living in a trash dump. Now they were living in this home that we built, a home that I probably, even if you paid me a couple hundred bucks, I don't know if I'd live in that home. It's still not super safe, but it's way better than living on the trash dump. And I walked into the home, and I took a picture of one of the little kids that was in the home, and, and uh, we walked out in private. Praise God for that. Pastor Corey said, what, what, what was the name of that kid that you took a picture of? What was the name of that kid? Did you, did you just take a picture of a kid? Good story. To show people on the gram that you show kindness? What was the name of the kid? And at that moment, I'm like, shoot, that's not good. I need, I, I, I need to think that through. As Christians, sometimes we post the things on the gram or on social media or we send pictures from, from a trip we've taken or places we've gone or people we've prayed for. But we don't actually want, we don't, we don't actually want to know them. We don't actually want to know them. Hopefully it's not going too strong this morning. Tomorrow it's like half the group comes back. It's like <laughs> Travis is way too serious on, the, on this one. I shared the principle. I want to say it again. To be Christ-like is to enter in repeatedly. Let me say this, though. Off the heels of what I just shared, here's the next principle. Here it is. Self-righteous people see no need for Jesus. Self-righteous people see no need for Jesus. I'll be the first to admit and raise my hand that I can be a self-righteous person because I think I can do it myself. I can figure it out myself. I can fix it myself. I can work it through myself. Self-righteous people don't see the need for Jesus. Don't see the need for Jesus. Man, I believe wholeheartedly, camp, family, that we are people that have been called by God to not be in a place in our lives where we don't see the need for Jesus. I believe that. We have that. Through the Holy Spirit. We're learning with the Holy Spirit all week. Through the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, when we walk with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit reveals to us when we're not doing things that are kingdom way. When we quench the Spirit, we quench the Spirit. The Bible tells us this, that we don't hear. And we become self-righteous. The Spirit isn't as loud. doesn't speak as clearly. That's biblical. When we quench the spirit in our lives. So what are we doing to not quench the spirit? What are we doing to walk with the spirit? We're creating rhythms. We're putting things on repeat. So we can be people of peace, people of encouragement, Gesundheit, and we can be those people. Principle, another one. Here we go. You guys ready for this one? Principle, to enter in with Jesus. You can put it in, in brackets to enter in for Jesus. Self-righteousness must stay outside. A believer is, let me say that one more time, to enter in with Jesus, so to go somewhere for Jesus, self-righteousness must stay outside. A believer's righteousness comes from only one thing, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on our behalf. Followers of Jesus are nothing more, nothing less than people who sin and are saved by grace. 
in this entering in action here that we read in Matthew chapter 9. On repeat throughout the Gospels, we can take away that the home is a place for healing. Spiritually, emotionally, intellectually, physically. And the question that I want to ask us today is, do we want to invite Jesus into our home? I shared this yesterday. Man, if my kids, if I was an open book, and I want my kids to read everything about, my, about me, would that be a good book for them to read? Do I want to put God's rhythms on repeat in my home? And if, and if we say, yeah, we want to do that, and that doesn't mean that our, home, our whole home is going to get a deep clean when we get back, but it means that we are going to take intentional steps to work through different ways to increase the hope and life of Jesus in our home. Do we want that? Do we want that? I believe we do. We need more of Jesus in our homes. We need more of Jesus in our homes. You know, when I, when I read this passage, I've got a couple questions that I want us to process through. We wrote down five principles. If you don't have five, then you can come up and I'll, I'll give the rest. If you have six principles, if you have 27 principles, I want your notes. I want your notes. Can I just ask this question? How did, how did Matthew end up becoming a follower of Jesus? How, how did he? How, how did Matthew end up becoming a follower of Jesus? He established a relationship. Jesus asked. Same. And he did it. He did it. He got up. He received it. Is that true for us? I believe most of us in this room, that's probably the reason why you're sitting here today, because you have a relationship with Jesus. Something happened in your life. Something was transformed in your life. God made a way and a work in your life. It, it reminds me of, a, of, of my dad. I grew up in a really good home, an awesome home. My dad spent 27 years in the military. It's a military family. My dad was invited to go to a promise, promise Keepers event, just like we heard, just like we heard. And uh, my dad jumped out of airplanes, special forces, army ranger, went to this Promise Keepers event in his 50s, 51, 52, 53 years old. And at that event, he gave his life to Jesus. I remember him coming home. I was in middle school at the time, and I said, Dad, what was that event? We didn't go to church very often, like Christmas, Easter, every so often church people. I said, Dad, why did you? Why did you go to that event? He said, well, someone invited me. I'm like, okay. I'm like, that's cool. I said, Dad, what happened? He started crying. I'm like, oh, man, I've never seen him cry. He said, cold-blooded cold killer, you know. This is, there's no, it's like, Dad, why are you crying? And he said, I gave my life to Jesus and the Holy Spirit was in me. I'm like, what does that even mean? I mean, again, we don't go to church. He said, it means I'm saved. It means that I, that I, that I have a relationship with God. Things around here are going to be different now. And I was like, okay. What does the middle schooler ask as the follow-up question? Why did you wait 53 years, <laughs> right? And, and he said this. Listen, this is powerful, powerful. He said, because no one ever told me. No one ever told me. I said, but, Dad, we went to church, you know, a, a couple times. He said, yeah. He said, Trav, I would jump out of airplanes and just say, God, I hope you save me on this one. I'll go on secret missions and do a lot of things. I'd say, God, protect me. So I come home to my family. 
No one ever told me what it means to have a relationship with God, to repent, to turn, and to follow. My dad was 53 years old. And the reality is this, that for some of us in this room, man, we have given our life to Jesus. What are you doing with that amazing truth that you have? What are you doing with that amazing truth that you have? Who are you sharing that amazing truth of what Jesus has done in your life and continue to do? It's not a one and done. It's on repeat. Every day we wake up with more purpose and meaning. The world has no idea what that even means. Because the world wakes up with confusion, chaos, anxiety, frustration, fear, anger, all those things. And sometimes I do as well because I still have sin in my life, right? But there's something different. There's something different about you. Something different about you. And we have an opportunity to share in that. Jesus straight up called Matthew to be his follower. And he calls us as well. Here's the question that, that I think through is this. That what I have chosen, Matthew, wow, that's a hard one. If I was sent here and I had a few years to do an ass- on assignment, who are the people that I'm choosing? I'm actually probably in this room, I'm asking, who here knows the most about the Bible? Who here knows the most about the kingdom of God? Who's been walking with the Lord the longest that has everything memorized? I'm not going to be looking for the person in the room that doesn't know yet. Why? But Jesus did. Why? Because he wanted to enter in to establish a new way. He wanted to enter in to establish a new way. When Matthew chose to follow Jesus, here's the question. What did he lose or leave? When when Matthew chose to follow Jesus, what did he lose or leave? What did he lose? What did he have to leave? What? Well, yes. He had had to lose some wealth. Status. Who said status? Status, yes. His occupation, yes. Yes, say it again. The life he once knew. Life he once knew. He had to literally have a 180 pivot. I think that's what Jesus did in a specific way for his disciples when he called them. You don't agree with any of that? You don't believe that. Yeah. 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 He did it. That's right. And that's it. So here, here's the follow-up. I want you to answer that one more time. The follow-up question I have written here is what did he find and take with him? What did Matthew find and take with them? Say it again. I want, I want, to, I want people to hear it. What did, what did, because a lot of times we end up like, what did, what did Matthew give up? And that's important. He gave up a lot of things. But what did Matthew find? He found the love. That's right. What else? You said it. He was companionship, relationships. What else? Oh, acceptance. Come on. A lot of times we talk about what they lost. What did he gain? What else, what else did Matthew gain? Friendships, like legit friendships. Could you imagine a few years of, of working through? What else? Purpose, repurposing of gifts. Et- Hello, say it again. Eternity, eternal life. Yes, true riches. Come on, there's a few more. I'm getting goosebumps in the room. A mentor, a coach, 
Something that's probably desperate for it. Mercy. What else? True purpose. Family. Hello, this is awesome. Yes, family. Grace. Let's pause there for a moment. If you received all those things, what would you want to do afterwards? I would want to throw a party. I would want to throw a party. This is it, everybody. Party's at my house because I've just received a whole lot more. He had to give things up. We have to give things up. But, man, we have an opportunity to receive so much more. Yes, ma'am. did. He gave up fake riches for real riches. That's a powerful word. We could talk about that for over an hour as well. That's the truth. A lot of times we think about the, the things the disciples gave to follow, and they gave a lot. Like, let's, let's be real. They gave up a lot to follow. But man, they, re- they received so much more. They received so much more. Today, as, 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 as we just think about today, think about all the things that God's given you. I would encourage you guys even today, and we're in a few moments, we're going to pray. We still have a few minutes to go, which is great. So I'm going to keep going. That's okay. That's okay with y'all. I'm going to keep going. But I, but I really believe maybe one of the truths that we need to hear today is, man, God has given us so much more. He's given us so much more. What is that truth that you need to hold on to today? I think the truth for me today is this, that, man, I've got to do way more celebrating than asking today. Instead of asking God for all these things, which we know he's a faithful God. He hears about all of it. But man, what about we have an opportunity to be so thankful today? Thankful that he's called us, that he saved us, he's given our life meaning and purpose, that we have an ability to actually have a relationship with God. There's so many other religions out there. I study a lot of them because we have churches in places that are 99% Buddhist, 99% Muslim. I pastored a church in Clearwater, Florida. There's a lot of Scientology. There's a whole lot of religions that say do, 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 work, 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 try, try, try. Maybe, just maybe, you'll get in. Is that our religion? Is that what we believe? No, it's not. That's a truth we can hold on to this morning. We can hold on to this truth this morning. Here's a question just for self-thought, just, just to think through. How would you describe your attitude Toward unbelieving neighbors, co-workers, foreigners, family members, Democrats, Republicans. If you were a disciple of Jesus then, 2,000 years ago, what does Jesus, or what would Jesus call you to do at the end of chapter 9? What would he call you to do? If we, were, if we were disciples with Jesus, what would he call us to do as we look at this, at this chapter 9? What would he call us to do? Say that again. Honor. What else would he tell us to do? Get it, yes, spread the gospel and get it out there. T- to who? Just some? To everybody. That's it. That's it. Our, our neighbors that don't, they take a lot of work, though. I don't know. 
But it's true. I'm, I'm joking. We have to try, yes, on repeat. What else? To unlove them. To love God and to love others. Yes. To take someone with you. Yes. Yes. She said, I'm going to sum it up. To actually look in the mirror and make sure that there's not unrighteousness in my own life or self-righteousness in my life. But I need to actually confess so I can actually live in the fullness of life. Any more thoughts this morning? So we're going to take some time and pray together. Any more thoughts this morning from this passage of where Jesus called Matthew? Matthew responded. Matthew threw a party. The Pharisees were ticked off and questioning the motives. People celebrated. And Jesus made it clear. The kingdom of heaven is for people to come who need what healing who need restored who know they're sick who know they're sick and they need a doctor any more thoughts and then from there i want to actually take some intentional time to pray together yes thoughts We all agree with that? You guys agree with that? Man, I agree with that. If you didn't hear what he said, I'm going to repeat this. We have an opportunity to show kindness and love and care for the people that are right around us. People in our neighborhoods, people at the Meyer gas station, at Walmart, people that are at our church. People at our church, and I I shared this on, uh, on Sunday. I was training someone on Sunday as they stepped in to help in guest services. I said, the guests of today look very different than the guests of yesterday. They said, why is that? And I said, well, I said, well, the guests of today, they're not showing up at our churches because they have nothing better to do. They're not, they're not waking up early and giving up a second Saturday and getting their kids ready and showing up at church because they have nothing better to do. They're coming to church because there's a spiritual need. They're seeing the need for something different in their lives. They're looking for a new rhythm to establish, and they're looking for hope, and they're looking for life. So as, as people, we're all in the guest services, we're looking for guests this week, next week. We get back to encourage, to help, to show and share the love of Jesus. I've got one more question, one more question for us. What's another story, a biblical account in God's word, where Jesus entered in somewhere? Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, yeah, Zacchaeus. You guys remember this story, this biblical account? Yeah, we, we sing it. My, my daughter sings it. We little man was he, right? What was another account where Jesus entered in somewhere? Mary and Martha, yeah. What was that all about? Why did Jesus enter in there? Why? To teach them a better way. Over the next few days, we're going we're gonna to explore more places that Jesus entered in, into people's lives. 
we're going to talk about some of the passages of Scripture that Jesus did things and said things on repeat. Why? Not for the goal of getting smarter so we can become more righteous, but for us to actually take some simple truths, biblical accounts, simple principles, and be able to apply them to our daily lives. Why? Because Jesus is not just the Jesus of a Sunday. Jesus is the Jesus of today, tomorrow, forever. He wants us to walk with him. We talked about this yesterday. We're busy people. We walk a lot. And we walk usually in a, in a place of busy, in a place of hurry. Jesus never ran anywhere. From what I can see in the Gospels, he walked with purpose, with intentionality. He didn't walk with busy. He didn't step over people as obstacles. He didn't see a penny and leave it. He saw a person to invest in. And so, hey, man, today is the day. Let's think that through. If you brought your spouse with you, if your spouse brought you with you, be thinking that through today. Who are the people right in our influence? Statistics say that we've got about six to eight people that are right in our, um, our corner that we can invest in and encourage. Who are those people? Who are they? And if they're believers, man, we need encouragement too. Encourage each other. I want to just take the next few moments and I want to pray. Before that, I actually want you to just pray. I want you to pray and spend a few moments. And if you could, center your prayer around this scripture. Center your prayer around this scripture in a way that is of thanksgiving. A prayer of thanksgiving. Think about how good it is to know Jesus. Think about how great it is to walk with Jesus. Think about how special it is to not know Jesus as someone that's just a, a story or, or a character. In, 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 but we believe he is the son of God, the risen Savior. How good is it to know? Thank him for that. Just take the next minute in silence and to reflect on what we just listened to, what we just learned, and make it a prayer of thanksgiving. Make it a prayer of thanksgiving. Jesus, this morning, we just want to thank you that you are the undefeated one. You conquered death. You rose. It's not somewhere that we can visit, some grave that we can go see, but you're out there, Lord. You're, you're with us through the Holy Spirit. We thank you today, God, that you've not come to this earth 
as a celebrity rock star, as a king, as one who is righteous in a way that leads to only reaching righteous people. But we thank you that you came in such a humble, sacrificial way. And you said it, God, that you did not come for those who are healthy. You came for those who are sick. And Lord, we know that's all of us. We're all sick with sin in need of you, our Savior. And so today, God, we just want to say thank you for that reminder. Thank you for that truth. We pray it will be on repeat in our lives today. That, Lord, when we go about our day, when we go about different studies, different activities, we can just be reminded of your goodness, of your faithfulness, of your love. Lord, there was a time when we were all lost, and now we're found. Thank you, God, that the light in life is in us. And, God, I pray that the light in the life that's in us from you can be shown and showcased to the people right in our reach. God, help us to be those type of people. Not those who are self-righteous, over-righteous, but those who are humble and clear and called to do your will. God, you said follow me a bunch of times. We see it. And Lord, we're committing today to follow you so that we can be people of peace, people of hope, people of life, and live out these principles that we read about today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So here's the take home for today. What is the truth you need to hold on to from what we read? What's the truth you have to hold on to today? And what's the lie that you have to push out today about what we read in Matthew chapter 9? We'll see you guys tomorrow, 9 o'clock in the morning. Bring your Bible, bring your coffee, and you guys have a wonderful day. God bless you. Any questions, feel free to come up and, uh, and chat with me. Thank you so much.